0: welcome one and welcome all to the pfn fantasy podcast i'm your host derek tate you can find me over at derek tate nfl over on x that is the one and only kyle soppy you can find him at kyle soppy pfn over on x formerly known as twitter week 17 waiver wire podcast soppy before we dive into these names that need to be on your waiver wire radar heading into championship round how was your holiday season? How was your Christmas weekend? Are there any good Christmas stories that you have to d- divulge to the rest of the listeners heading into the championship week?
1: I mean, we're talking, there's Christmas stories, but nothing that's not gonna get me in trouble with either the in-laws or my cousins or my brothers or sisters. We had six little kids running around, a couple colds following Ooh. that got a mother-in-law that can't stand up right. We've got all sorts of issues here and there's stories to be told, but nothing that's really podcast centric that we need to voice or air our dirty laundry here. But it was a wonderful time. I love seeing the family, both families on both sides get along. We had a great time. No complaints there. How about you? so i got called uh, most of my
0: family is down in tampa florida they called and asked me to do my rendition of the battle of sterling speech from the movie braveheart oh, where, sure. M- where mel gibson has a scottish accent i know the entire monologue i'll save you and spare the rest of the audience me rehearsing that but you know maybe one day in the very near future sure. but it was a- a very calm holiday season over at the Tate <laughs> household. So, Soppy, we have ourselves. Week 17, we have arrived at the Fantasy Championship Week for a majority of fantasy football leagues, which means you got to do the deal before we jump into our waiver wire rankings. Go ahead, if this is your first time coming across the YouTube channel, go ahead and subscribe, hit the like button, click the bell so you get notified. Every single time we drop a bit of new video content here on the channel. Also, if you're listening to this podcast via your audio outlet, just subscribe, rate, review a five-star review is a perfect holiday gift for us over here at pro football network soppy let's start at our running back waiver wire rankings heading into week 17 you can tell me and maybe give us a sales pitch on why these guys may be startable if you're in a real pinch heading into your championship match but we'll run it down from five down to one who's your number five running back on your waiver wire ranks
1: yeah to be clear i'm not sure any of these guys are really cracking my lineup top to bottom here i mean if you need it you need it but if you're in the fantasy championship. You've done something right up to this point. And that's not to say that you shouldn't build rostered up. The waiver wire ads this time of year are valuable. We don't know who's going to get hurt over the next couple of days. We're recording here on a Tuesday. Games, play, games take place Thursday night, Saturday, and then everything on Sunday. There's a lot that could happen between now and then. And you've come this far. You've waited four months To compete for a fantasy championship. There's no reason to slack off and not build roster depth now. I'm not saying you use it, but it's not a bad thing to have in your pocket. My number five running back for the week, Justice Hill. Full disclosure, I don't want any part of this running game if I can avoid it. Gus Edwards would be my option because of the touchdown equity if you can, but he's rostered in too many leagues. Justice Hill, he's at least on the field. Lamar Jackson chasing the MVP. They're chasing the one seed here. He's got an 83% catch rate this season. That puts him in a spot for PPR leagues if you're stuck. It's against the Dolphins, a game we expect to get going up and down. I could see the running game or the short passing game supplementing the running game, which puts Justice Hill in the spot to catch like five passes for 35 yards, and maybe that's what you need this time of year. Not comfortable going that direction, but again, a break glass in case of emergency kind of guy on the back end of your roster he's my number five
0: running back on my waiver wire ranks as well we kind of saw with keaton mitchell out of the picture the ravens running game get filtered down To that of Gus Edwards, Justice Hill, and Lamar Jackson. And Justice Hill did see 10 carries. That was the most, the highest amount that he has seen since week nine, which kind of makes sense because that's back when Keaton Mitchell kind of burst onto the scene, was back in week nine. So it's, I don't think it's a coincidence that we saw Justice Hill far more involved, three catches for 31 yards. The Miami Dolphins matchup against the Baltimore Ravens defense is one that's going to be intriguing for me Mm -hmm. um, because of these two great units matching up against one another but we know what the Baltimore Ravens are going to do on the offensive side of the ball they're going to be able to run the football and they Hill wasn't all that productive as or efficient as a runner in this contest but his usage certainly warrants an ad to potentially not even be used against you that's actually another thing I wanted to bring up real quick before we jump into this yeah you may not be picking these guys up to start on your team but you can almost pick these guys up stash them on your bench and prevent them from being used against you I agree there, that's also another strategy here that could be deployed. Sapi, who's your number four running back on your waiver wire ranks heading into Week Seven?
1: Yeah, sometimes the best, good, the best offense is a good defense. At this point, if you're like I, a few weeks ago when Jalen Hurts was sick, I added Marcus Mariota for no reason. I didn't need him at all, but my opponent might have. You know, I mean, it, sometimes it's not about winning your championship; it's about not losing it. So if you can do that. Tajay Spears might be an avenue to doing that. He's my running back for this week. He's been a top 30 back in three of his last four games. Derrick Henry, he scores two touchdowns every freaking week, so that's a problem if you're going with Spears. You don't get too much in the way of touchdown equity, but the touch is obviously trending in the right direction. He's got 16 catches over his last four games. We know Derrick Henry's out of Tennessee after this season. Derrick Henry knows Derrick Henry is out after this season, so you would think that they try to get the kid a little more involved. Houston, not a matchup that scares me at all this week. So Tajay Spears... I'd be more comfortable flexing a guy like Tajay Spears thinking the touch count is going to be similar to that of Justice Hill, and I just think he's got more juice in an offense that isn't, doesn't have too many other options.
0: <laughs> Devoid of juice is I what mean. I would probably call it. Um, <clears throat> you know, actually, when it comes to, he's the number four guy on my list as well, and he's been on this, he has been a mainstay, if not, he is leading as far as the amount of mentions <laughs> as oh, far yeah. as his Easy. name goes personally uh, for on this Waiver Wire podcast, because He's been one of the highest handcuff options to Derrick Henry, but Henry has made it all the way to the finish line in week 17 without sustaining any sort of significant injury. Knock on wood, that does not happen in week 17 either. But this Houston defense is actually sixth as far as limiting opposing rushing attacks, uh, as far as yards allowed per game on the ground at 91 yards or just under 91. So Spears, though, his, his, his... Fantasy value is more derived from his involvement in the passing game. 100%. And if the game script gets out of line and the Titans fall behind, have to throw the ball quite a bit. And we saw him use as a passer again in week number 16. So Spears falls in at number four for me. Who's your number three running back on the waiver wire?
1: I'm going to go with CEH in this spot, Pacheco. He had his helmet fly off and then he hits a knee and he he's being tested for a concussion, all that good stuff. Kansas City's kind of a mess right now, so I'm not overly trying to invest in this running game if I don't have to, but if he's the lead running back in this offense, I still trust it. They get Cincinnati this week. They should be able to get right. We said the same thing about the Raiders. At the end of the day, I'll bet on Mahomes eventually figuring this stuff out, whether it's this week, next week, wildcard, whatever, in the playoffs. CEH, Last five games, under three yards of carry. So we don't think he's a very good runner, but again, he's been used in the passing game. In his last three games, 11 targets for 135 receiving yards. That's what you're betting on. You're betting on Mahomes getting this offense in position to score and making those targets valuable. If he's the guy that soaks those up, we already know McKinnon's on IR with the groin strain. And if Pacheco misses, you're talking about 15 plus touches in a Patrick Mahomes offense in a good get right spot. To me, that's that's potential on your flex radar. Like that's that's the path to success that I'm looking for. So the fact that Isaiah Pacheco
0: suffered a concussion, right? And he's going to have to try to clear concussion protocol. And he played on Monday and there is no Monday night game this upcoming week. So he's got to clear the league's concussion protocol in a very, very short amount of time. I don't see it really happening. I'd Neither. be very surprised. We even saw Michael Pittman Jr. surprisingly yeah. clear concussion protocol, then have a, a setback uh, experiencing some um, symptoms for concussion, which then eliminated him from uh, contention from week 16. I just think the timetable is going to be very, very difficult for Pacheco to clear concussion protocol, mm-hmm. which means Clyde Edwards, helaire is the guy. Uh, which is why I have him as my number two re- running back on the waiver wire ranks uh, because I, I don't see anybody else that's really going to take any looks away from him. Now, I guess you can maybe make the case that someone like, you know, Narek uh, Prince or Michael P. Ryan or someone else maybe gets involved we'll in pass. some capacity, but I do think it's going to be the CEH show, yeah. which makes him my number two guy heading into week. 17 soppy who is your so i'm I, at number three and maybe we just have these two players flipped um i have khalil herbert mm-hmm. and yes it's really nice that khalil herbert finally decided to go ahead and have himself a day after it's really the first time he's been usable since he's come back from injured reserve but he saw a season high 20 carries and produced 112 rushing yards, you know, only one catch for nine yards, but he did find the end zone. So it was a huge performance for Khalil Herbert. This is what we kind of expected from the Bears' offense. We thought that they were going to be able to run the football at a high clip this season. We thought Herbert was going to be the leading man to start the season. I thought that Roshan would get more involved, but Herbert delivered a monster performance with Dante Foreman, not active for this contest. So I have him as my number three guy just because. Chicago has proven that you can't trust any of these running backs in big spots. To me, I feel like CEH with Isaiah Pacheco highly unlikely to clear concussion protocol and McKinnon on IR. I just have him slightly higher this week because I feel like there's going to be more guaranteed volume for CEH than Herbert in week
1: 17. Yeah, I 100% agree. If we got news or if we get news, obviously this is a Tuesday. You don't have to put in sure. your claims quite yet. If we get news that Pacheco's officially out, then yeah, CEH you could argue he'd be number one in my list. Like he would yeah. definitely move ahead of Herbert. It's my trust in that offense as a whole. As far as Herbert goes, 20 to 29 carries last week. Obviously you mentioned the 112 yards against the Cardinals, Arizona, or Arizona's is the worst run defense in the league. Atlanta, who he gets this week, is a sneaky good defense in some regard, but they've given up at least a hundred rushing yards or, or hundred total yards or touchdown to a running back in three straight games. If we think Herbert's filling that number one role in Chicago, which it looks like right now, I understand it's sure. been a moving target but the number one back in a system in a favorable spot is on your flex radar come the most important week of the season. So, yeah, I've got him at number two, and Zamir White's my number one guy who seems to be filling that role with a bullet here as long as Josh Jacobs doesn't come back. You're talking about consecutive top 15 finishes for White. 42 touches. That's what we're paying for. I don't think he's a great running back. I don't think he's Jacobs, but 42 touches over the last two weeks, back-to-back top 15s. Indianapolis gives up the fifth most rushing yards per game that puts White in a good high floor kind of spot for a team that's playing with some confidence here after beating the Chiefs.
0: So that game played out very weirdly. Uh, not one that we predicted <laughs> or projected Dude. heading into that matchup. But where, where I was really encouraged was Zamir White, when the Raiders needed to put their foot on the throat of the Chiefs at the very end of the game after they finally scored a touchdown Mm -hmm. uh, to make it a one-score game, the Chiefs knew the Raiders were going to run the football, and they couldn't stop Samir White. Impressive, impressive performance. It's making a case that even if Josh Jacobs is healthy, he's heading towards free agency. Why is he going to potentially risk any sort of injury when I think he's going to hit the open market, right? And why jeopardize a payday and not to mention the Raiders, if they know that they're going to move on from Josh Jacobs, this off season potentially they're getting a closer look at can Samir white be the, be the guy in this backfield mm-hmm. moving forward into 2024. And so far in the two games that we've seen, the answer has been, it looks possible. <laughs> so Samir uh, white is definitely my number one guy heading into their matchup against the Indianapolis Colts. Um, you already mentioned the touch count. That's what we're signing up for. Mm -hmm. I do believe if Jacobs is not active again in week 17, that you can trust Samir White as a low-end running back too, uh, slash flex play for your fantasy championship. Let's move on to the wide receiver position, Soppy. Let's start at the number five spot. Work our way down to one. Who's your number five wide receiver on the waiver wire ranks heading into week 17?
1: You're going to notice a theme here with my guys. Four out of five are pretty much all gas, no brakes type options here where you're forgetting floor. If you're picking up a wide receiver that you're starting this time of year, you are grasping for straws, my friend. You are not you're not in the business of, I mean, I have Tyler Boyd as number four. You're probably not looking for that kind of guy. You're not looking for five catches for 60 yards to just kind of band-aid the thing. You want Rashid Shahid from last week. You want a splash performance. So uh, DJ Chark, could he make it two in a row? I have no idea. He scored two touchdowns <laughs> last week. We're not talking about an overly consistent guy here, but he gets a Jags defense that's better on the ground than they are through the air. The size of Chark gives him some touchdown equity. I'm not optimistic that he's going to repeat what he did last week at all but could he could he does he have the size profile athletic profile all that good stuff sure is there do we know where targets are going there with you know without a kernel of doubt we don't so maybe he sees six to eight targets and maybe two of them are in the red zone he turns one into six points and pays you off that way Chark at least worth putting on that back end of your roster if you're looking if you're in the business for a receiver so, speaking of the business, uh, heading into this podcast, I, was, I really wanted to sneak
0: Dontavian Wicks sure, into my healthy, waiver wire yeah. ranks. But he ended up picking up a chest injury. Plus, there is the potential return of Christian Watson if he is able to get back into the lineup in Week 17 while coming back from a hamstring injury. A little bit too much fluidity there. Uh, not to mention, I, I'm i not going to sit here and say, oh, the revenge game narrative. But once upon a time, DJ Chark was a member of the Jacksonville he Jaguars. Was, he was. And the Jacksonville Jaguars have given up the fourth most passing yards per game, heading into week 17 at 257 yards per game. And Bryce Young coming off of his first 300-yard passing performance of his it. NFL career. I, I It was, wow, yeah, I'm skeptical. Of course, I'm very skeptical of trusting Bryce Young and the— Carolina Panthers passing offense and uh, any of their pass catchers, not named Adam Thielen, and I don't even really like him all that much. No. <laughs> but DJ Chark certainly gives you some big play upside and maybe can build off of what was, I think, his best game as a member of the Carolina Panthers heading into a matchup against his former team. So he's at number five for me as well. Soppy. You already mentioned that Tyler Boyd is your number four. Are there any additional thoughts that you want to
1: add on Tyler Boyd heading into their matchup against the Kansas City Chiefs? Yeah, I mean, you're just talking hopefully a pass script against the Chiefs if the Chiefs finally get rolling. We talked about that with CEH. I could see a world where CEH and Boyd get going because the game script works out in such a way. I mean, he's got at least 5 targets in 7 of his last 8 games. We know Jake Browning leads an efficient offense, maybe not a high octane one, but efficient. So those 5 targets are probably turning into four catches. You get 6 targets, you're talking four to five catches. Something like that in a PPR league. If you're in, if you're stuck in a spot where you're a loaded team, then I could see sliding Boyd into the flex radar to get you your 10 points and get out of dodge, but outside of that, I'm I'm really not optimistic in Tyler Boyd.
0: Yeah, I'm, uh, Tyler Boyd did not sniff my top five waiver wire oh boy, yeah. Receiver position. And, and yeah, it just, they're just, even without Chase or without Higgins in the lineup, we just haven't seen enough from Tyler Boyd to justify a spot and for me anyway Mm -hmm. heading into this matchup against a Kansas City Chiefs secondary that was phenomenal against Devontae Adams they gave up a couple plays to Jacoby Myers but they really held the Raiders to just three points so if I can avoid that matchup if at all possible then I'm going to stay away from Tyler Boyd I've got number four Joshua Palmer um obviously I don't think that Keenan Allen a veteran wide receiver who's dealing with a heel injury there's no reason for him to rush back speaking of kind of the josh jacobs theory he's not going to be a free agent but uh they do have to with his cap hit in 2024 the 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 chargers are going to have to make a decision on whether or not they want to restructure his deal or keep him in town i imagine that they do but the point is if Allen is inactive for a third straight game which i think he is going to be joshua palmer is still going to be heavily involved in this passing game it's not very exciting and I see him being shadowed and, and seeing plenty of Patrick Sertan and an improved secondary on the defensive end for the for the Denver Broncos. But there's still going to be volume there. And we even mm-hmm. saw his big play capabilities in his first game back from injured reserve against the Raiders uh, with a long touchdown reception. So he's kind of the, one of the few guys that feels like he has some of that big play potential, but also like a, a semi-reliable ceiling sure. or floor, excuse me, uh, heading into week 17. So again more of a wide receiver wide three or four play for me but he's still someone if you're in a pinch uh you could get some points from him and he does have a little bit of upside that make him an intriguing play in week 17.
1: yeah no I'm even more optimistic than you I'll echo everything you said here I've got him in the number two wide receiver ad this week he's You mentioned the secondary for the Broncos. It's looked good at times. But you're talking about a team that's 7th lowest in pressure rate and 7th highest in blitz rate. That is an awful combination. You're bringing extra guys, and you're not getting home. So even if your name's Easton Stick, you might be able to find single coverage that you like down the field. I happen to think Palmer's a good player. He's seen at least 7 targets in 5 of his last 7 games. So if you're giving me that kind of look with Stick having time against single coverage, eventually it's going to pay off even if it's only one target like what we saw a couple of weeks ago where he makes it pay off in a 75-yard touchdown. That's obviously not what you're banking on, but you're going for broke in a spot like this. I don't mind, Palmer. You're getting access to a wide receiver, a team's wide receiver one off of the waiver wire for your fantasy Super Bowl. You don't really have that option anywhere else. Okay, okay. So move on to number three. Who's your number three wide receiver on the waiver
0: wire ranks heading into week seven?
1: Well, My number three receiver here could be a number one receiver for his team too. I mean, we don't know that Jordan Addison's gonna play. We don't know that TJ Hawkinson's gonna play at this point. I'd kind of bet against both happening, which opens up KJ Osborne for a decent amount of targets from the Nick Mullins experience. I, I don't know if you had it on your bingo card for him going for over 700 passing yards down the stretch here in a two-week stretch in December. I If you told me he was going to throw for 700 yards this year, I would have taken the under, let alone in two straight and over the course of two games. He's got four touchdown passes. He also has six interceptions. This is very Jameis Winston-y of Nick Mullins right now, just going for broke, throwing it all over the place. KJ Osborne, I'm not saying that... He's going to see 7-9 to good targets, but if he catches three of them, could he produce it into something? It's worth a shot there. He's got the avenue to success. I don't trust the Packers' defense as far as I can throw them here. I don't trust the Vikings' run game in a significant way here. So If they're going to move the ball through the air, Osborne probably is reasonably featured, assuming that Addison and Hawkinson both sit.
0: Yeah, obviously still working alongside Justin Jefferson, but you know, someone's got to benefit from all of the attention that Justin Jefferson Mm -hmm. gets on a weekly basis. Certainly you can make that case for KJ Osborne. I've also seen some decent things from Brandon Powell um I'm not on the Josh Oliver train at the tight end position I'm staying completely away from Hawkinson's uh uh, backup but certainly KJ Osborne he came in at number number seven for me or six I guess with Don Tavian Wicks dealing with a chest injury so he's certainly in play if you're looking to throw a dart uh, against the Green Bay Packers and Nick Mullins you know certainly putting the ball in harm's way but also producing yardage which is what we're concerned about heading into week 17. for me we finally got that game, Soppy, from Rashid Shaheed. We wanted that big one I know, I love uh, him so when much. Chris Olave wasn't in the lineup in Week 15 against the New York Giants. Had a bit of a disappointing performance, but nine targets, a season high, nine targets, five receptions, seventy yards against the Los Angeles Rams. Derek Carr, all of a sudden, pushing the ball down the mm-hmm. field effectively. I mean, Olave had a monster day against the Rams, so. I see against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers secondary, which has been vulnerable to giving up a bunch of chunk plays down the football field. I know that they looked really, really good against Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars passing offense uh, last week. But I'm going with the overall sample size here, Soppy, and I still think the Buccaneers, who are one of the most aggressive teams in the league when it comes to bringing the blitz, they can still give up a handful of chunk plays in the passing game to that secondary, uh, which... Bodes well for Rashid Shahid, uh, coming off of his best performance of the season. I still think he's boom or bust, but the matchup and his recent usage speak to the potential for him having another quality outing in Week 17. All right, we'll
1: play. Uh, we'll play the game. Nobody cares about your fantasy team here on the PFN podcast, but I'm in the finals of my home league here. I'm gonna have to decide between Rashid Shahid against you know your Buccaneers defense that's no good and gives up big plays, but obviously boom bust. Or Garrett Wilson Thursday night against the Browns. I don't love where I am. I'm a 10, 12 point underdog in this PPR league. So PPR obviously downgrades Shahid a little bit. I have Shahid penciled in right now. What are you thinking? I think the matchup says that that's the right play. No, it's scary, isn't it? <laughs> uh, it's very scary, though. Um,
0: as. So we've seen over the last two weeks a story of two very different offenses there in New York where they yes. were completely inept against the Dolphins and basically no one was usable. And then last week against the, you know, even worse dumpster fire, that is the commander's defense, they put up, what, 27 points or oh, yeah. 30 points? Uh, so, I mean, it's it's um, the matchup says Shahid. Ooh, I have a hard time. I am not Garrett Wilson, I but I, I'm willing to roll the dice.
1: I just think that the ceiling is a little bit higher for Shahid this week. I would agree. Than
0: it is with Garrett Wilson against that Brown
1: secondary. So. I would agree. Yeah. yeah you're wow. willing to say that you don't have money on the table. I'm going no, to, I'm going to have to click right. that button. I, I mean,
0: <laughs> I'm even hesitating with, you know, it's not even my team, but, uh, but let's move on to the number two. So you already mentioned Joshua Palmer yep. is your number two uh, uh, wide receiver on your waiver wire ranks. For me, much of what you mentioned as far as him being the number one guy and having some big play uh, potential kind of applies to Demario Douglas of sure. the New England Patriots. Uh, he is probably of all the guys on this list probably has the highest floor, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so if if you are in a spot where you're heavily favored heading into your championship round and you just in a PPR league specifically, if you just need someone to get you somewhere between eight to ten points. I would, that's the guy that I would go with over like someone like Tyler Boyd, who is your sure. look, you're looking at as like a pure floor play. Um, but Douglas also still has some of that big play juice. We haven't seen it much in this Patriots offense because it's the Patriots offense, but you know, eight targets, five catches, 74 yards. He even dropped a pass. Um, which could have gone for another pretty big gain. So Douglas heavily involved. I feel very comfortable with Demario Douglas as the number two guy, and I would play him. He's one of the few guys on the list on this list that I would play, feel comfortable playing in a PPR format heading into week 17.
1: Yeah, I mean, it comes down to your trust in the passing game. Like Tyler Boyd, Demario Douglas, cut it how you want. However these quarterbacks are going to play, you're kind of throwing darts like we're buying a profile to some degree here in – those slot guys that can kind of rack up the catches in a hurry. I don't mind Douglas at all. Got him in a he's going to be ranked as a top 40 guy in my PPR ranks. Like there's an avenue to a floor like what you said.
0: So speaking of we all gas, no yes, breaks, sir.
1: Gotta have it in
0: week seventeen. Soppy, who is your number one home run hitter on your waiver wire ranks heading into week seventeen?
1: I mean, all gas, no brakes might be on his tombstone when all is said and done for <laughs> Jamison Williams. I mean, you're talking over 14 yards a catch for his career. We see the playing time finally ticking up. That's what we're asking for. The talent isn't a question. The deep downfield stuff, not a question. He gets to play indoors this week. Indoors golf's not a question here. Obviously. The Cowboys defense, a little bit of a concern here, but they're an aggressive bunch. We've seen it for like two years now where they're willing to jump routes and score six the other way, but that gives up plenty of 50-yard plays the other direction if I have to bet on a guy to make a big play this week. It's Jameson Williams. He could also put up, he's Gabe Davis. He's like Gabe Davis. We could have zero catches on four targets for nothing, or you could have what we saw on, what was it? Friday night whatever I, I there were so many games this week on different days whenever it was Gabe Davis exploited the coverage because Josh Allen had time to throw the ball Gabe Davis got loose down the field for a couple of big plays that could very well happen to Jameson Williams and if it does with indoor golf who's a completely different beast than outdoor golf that breaks open a fantasy matchup off of your waiver wire you've spent all season grooming a team that's legit and talented, and maybe you're an underdog, you plug in Jamison Williams, you might overcome all of the talent discrepancy here and win your matchup because of one savvy move. That's why he's my number one guy this week. So there, I see the track of where you're going with this. And
0: it it makes me, your, your pitch makes me want to maybe sneak him inside my top five with some of the other guys that maybe have a little bit of a higher floor. Maybe substitute him in with Joshua Palmer in my ranks. But, um, one thing that was kind of interesting with the dallas cowboys matchup against the miami dolphins they were having to try to figure out a way to try to limit the impact of tyreek hill they played a lot more zone than they have for the majority of the season in week 16. if they go back to playing man coverage at a pretty high rate Jamison williams is more than capable of winning on one of those matchups one-on-one and it's just a matter of whether or not golf can connect with him down the field but the, the target share, Soppy, is another thing that you mentioned. 13 targets over the last two games, seven and six respectively. So his involvement in this passing game seems to be trending in the right direction, which is giving him a floor that previously did not exist, but also still has that sky-high ceiling and what could be a higher-scoring contest between the Lions and the Dallas Cowboys. I'm on, I'm on board with it, and I feel like I may have missed the boat here a little bit, but I'm going with Noah Brown. Okay. I, I get it. I get it. It wasn't a very encouraging outing in week 16 uh, given that they matched up against the cleveland Browns secondary which is why we're talking about garrett wilson earlier but you know three receptions 38 yards on seven targets nico collins was back in the mix um so seven targets is something that i can live with but that was without cj stroud under center and he's now missed the last two games unable to clear concussion protocol. Again, it's not a guarantee that he's going to be able to clear concussion protocol ahead of their matchup right. against the Tennessee Titans. Uh, but if he does, then I have to think that that floor gets raised a little bit for Noah Brown, for, for sure. Nico Collins, and the outlook of this Texans offense jumps significantly uh, without Case Keenum under center and getting Stroud back on back into the mix. So Brown is still a guy that I could trust in week 17 as like a wide receiver three with some upside uh, against the Tennessee Titans in week 17.
1: Yeah, no, I'm hundred percent on board with you there. If you could tell me Stroud is active, which I kind of doubt that we are going to know by the time waivers process. So you got to pick up Brown now and hope, but if he's active, yeah, he's very much in that mix without tank Dell Dalton Schultz is an option there, but you were right. You were ahead of this saying Dalton Schultz isn't much of a target earner. So that puts Noah Brown in a spot to be CJ Stroud's secondary option that that's gold this time of year we all believe in tj stroud's talent if that's out on display in a big spot here i i have no problem with noah brown yeah if
0: stroud plays i'm okay i'm comfortable starting nico collins noah brown or Dalton schultz as like Agreed. a low-end tight end one option heading into week 17. let's move to the quarterback position before we get to the tight end spot uh who is a
1: quarterback on the waiver wire that you could stream in a big spot
0: in week 17.
1: I mean, is it is there any other answer to this question than our guy Elite Joe Flacco? I get that he's playing oh, the man. Jets, but I'm not sure God could stop Joe Flacco these days. He's just thrown to Amari Cooper. The degree of difficulty he had on those catches, I'm not sure there was an easy one out there. He is threading the needle to Amari Cooper like something I haven't seen in a long time. He's been with the team for a month. He's acting like he grew up with Amari Cooper, that they go back to middle school and that he's been developing this connection since the 90s. I mean, he is producing at a level that I didn't think we'd see. I didn't think they'd cut him loose like this. We're talking over 40 pass attempts every single game, multiple touchdowns every single game. He is taking chances, he is playing like He's got nothing to lose, which I guess he doesn't with that defense, the, the optimism that, or the, the floor that you can play with because you know if you turn it over, that defense has your back. That's not going to change in this spot. I get that it's a tough matchup, but are you worried about the Jets hanging 30 on you? I, I get that they just did it, but nobody's worried about the Jets putting 30 on the Browns this week. At least I wouldn't be. So if, Joe Flacco's playing carefree again. Why not consider him a top 15 option if you're streaming the position for whatever reason in your Super Bowl? Whether you're battling CJ Stroud injuries, you're whatever you've got. He is a he is in play despite being Joe freaking Flacco facing against one of the best defenses in our game. You know, there and there's gotta be like a small aspect
0: of this where there's a little revenge game narrative because sure. Joe Flacco was just a New York Jet yes. last year. And to watch Aaron Rodgers, you know, unfortunately he got hurt after just four snaps, right? That's that's just bad luck for the New York Jets. Of course. <clears throat> but Flacco was out there chilling at a Starbucks for what, the first two months of the season? Yeah. And they were rolling Zach Wilson out there. Then they started rolling uh Yeah, who was the second starting quarterback that they had there? It was what Tim Boyle. They
1: They had Boyle, Boyle, yeah, Rodgers
0: guy. (laughs) Trevor Simeon, and then back to, you know, all it's a carousel there in New York. And meanwhile, you have Joe Flacco sitting out there. They didn't, I'm assuming they probably didn't give him a call or bring him on or whatever the case is. Now he ends up in Cleveland and he's balling out. Like, yeah, he's turning the ball over a bit. But he's cutting it loose. It's 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 a Joe Flacco that I feel like we never saw in Baltimore. He's never. kind of playing gunslinger type football. Right, Soppy?
1: Yeah, I didn't think he had this in his profile. It was a game manager. Like, they're going to win in spite of Joe Flacco. It was like discount Ben Roethlisberger back when he was a rookie. And it's like, oh, they're going to win because he's not really going to. This is what this, if Joe Flacco was ever going to live up to that elite, thing that we had a decade ago this was his avenue to doing it I love seeing it it's a fun narrative I don't think they're going anywhere in the playoffs if Joe Flacco's you know out here slinging it like this but it's fun and for our purposes it's it's valuable
0: I say if they get in, if they do get into the uh, AFC playoffs I don't know if there's many teams that want to see I that wouldn't know I Houston. wouldn't want to play him no Right. They're kind of a dangerous team. So uh, Flacco, I'm on board with starting him this week against the New York Jets. Uh, Despite the Jets defense actually being traditionally stingy against opposing passing attacks. But the way Flacco's playing, it's the hot hand. Roll with it. Uh, Speaking of the hot hands, Derek Carr coming off of one of his best performances uh, of the season against the Los Angeles Rams. 319 yards through the air. Three scores. And oh yeah, by the way, they're still in the mix. there in the NFC playoff picture. They got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this week. The matchup says that Carr should be able to have success against the secondary. Finally looks like he's fully clicked with Chris Olave, which is huge. Uh, mm-hmm. Last time they faced off against the Buccaneers, Carr was dealing with a shoulder injury, so his numbers you know, only 127 yards through the air on 37 pass attempts. Um, he had trouble pushing the ball down the field, but you could see that he wasn't 100% healthy. So now coming off of one of his best performances of the season through the air, going up against that Tampa Bay Buccaneers secondary in a must-win game for the New Orleans Saints, I could see them leaning on Derek Carr because I don't think that they're going to be able to run the ball very effectively against this Buccaneers defense. Alvin Kamara's efficiency on the ground hasn't been all that overwhelming he's his fantasy value has been driven strictly by the fact he is such a pass catching threat and leads the running back position in receptions this season and I think that continues to be the case uh I think they're gonna have to lean on Derek Carr to try to win this football game
1: yeah no that that first game against the Bucks was that the like 13 target 35 yard game for come on I think it might have been where he was banged up and it was check down city check 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 down <laughs> like it, he Carr didn't
0: look right enough and i, I think subconsciously knew that he wasn't going to push the ball down the field because i don't know if he trusted his arm at that point he would literally bypass you know open chris Olave on deep in yeah, cuts just brutal. to chuck it down to, to alvin Kamara. so yes that is one of the games we were you were referencing as far as like how the absurd amount of targets that camara saw right off the of suspension yeah so um let's move on to the tight end position Uh, Who is a tight end that you feel comfortable streaming in Week 17?
1: I'll keep this quick, but I'm targeting the Broncos defense again. Gerald Everett, I get that this past game isn't one you necessarily want to invest in in a big way, and maybe I'm a Gerald Everett stand from earlier in the season because I'm definitely a Gerald Everett stand from earlier in the season. But he's got (laughs) exactly eight targets in three straight games, and he's got at least eight targets or a score in seven of his past nine. Things are moving in the right direction here to be a high-volume, nice PPR option. I don't think he's going to win you your week. But could he provide top 12 numbers at the position and get you by for people managing that potentially are without Hawkinson or something like that? I don't think too many people are adding quarterbacks this time of year to kind of get through their fantasy Super Bowl. But the tight end position, it wouldn't surprise me if you don't have one of the elites. So Gerald Everett, a top my t- t- tight end streamer ranks for week 17
0: yeah and it also helps that the denver broncos are allowing the most fantasy points per game to opposing tight ends this season and three straight games for gerald everett with eight targets so i'm on board with gerald everett i, I feel fully comfortable starting him uh streaming him a, in week 17 in a big spot another guy that i'm kind of comfortable um believe it or not starting which is hard to say this but it's another rookie tight end from green bay it started with luke musgrave yeah. my love for him earlier this season was feel like I was saying his name every week on this podcast. Now it's Tucker Craft. Tucker Craft, three out of his last four games, has seen six targets, um, has caught four passes in three straight games, and has topped 57 yards receiving in three straight games. Soppy, he's he's getting involved in this passing game, and he's able to create after the catch. Um, Looks really... Really good. In fact, it makes me wonder what kind of role he's carved out heading into 2024 um, with him and Musgrave potentially competing for the same reps and spots. But um, point is, Tucker Craft looks like he is a trustworthy option. Uh, He's gone in double digits in PPR formats in three straight games. So... I'm willing to roll the dice on
1: him as well against the Minnesota Vikings this week. I've got him one spot behind Everett. So they're 11 and 12 in my rankings this week. You're talking about a kid that's got a 27-yard catch in three straight and five, four of his last six games. That puts upside into an offense that, like you said earlier, with the Wicks call. like They're just lacking wide receiver health right now. I don't trust them to run the ball on a consistent basis. That means they're going to have to move the ball through the air. You got to do it some way. Kraft has been impressive for sure.
0: Moving on to defense special teams, who is a defense that you are aiming to stream heading into week 17?
1: Yeah, certainly talking out of both sides of my mouth here with a bunch of Charger recommendations here and then I'm going to go against them with the Broncos, but you still do get Easton Stick, so that's not a bad place to spend your fantasy Super Bowl. Broncos, multiple sacks in six straight games. They've allowed no more than 22 points. In nine of their last 10, I think they make that 10 of 11. I don't think you're looking at a 15-point defensive outing here, but could they get you... Seven to ten points? Yeah, and I think that's enough to get you to kick the can down the road here at a position that's so volatile. On a week-to-week basis, none of us know what's going to happen at the position here. You're going against Easton Stick. That puts a touchdown into play. If you can be aggressive, if Russell Wilson can put some points on the board early, force the Chargers to be aggressive, that puts this defense in a spot to succeed. I'll roll the dice on the Broncos in my fantasy Super Bowl.
0: It's weird how far we've come when it comes to the Broncos. They gave up 70. (laughs) I was just thinking that. I was like, man, they gave up 70 points earlier this season and and heading into championship week. What a turnaround for the Broncos on the defensive side of the football. Got to tip the hat uh, to Sean Payton and the rest of the coaching staff there, Vance Joseph uh, and such. So I'm moving over to the Indianapolis Colts. You know, If you're looking at points per game, the Colts defense is actually among the highest units uh, in the NFL at 8.8 fantasy points per game. And yet they're still available in over 50% of fantasy leagues on Yahoo and ESPN. So that being said, they're going up against a Raiders offense, Soppy, that I know they had that outlier performance against the Los Angeles Chargers two weeks ago, right? Where they scored 63 points Mm -hmm. and, you know. But if you combine their offensive production in two of the last three games, they've produced three points against the Kansas City Chiefs and the Minnesota Vikings. So, in a spot where the Colts defense has been playing at a higher level than I think a lot of people realize, okay. and an offense that let's just call them boomer bust to be very kind, but they're still working. A work in progress with Aiden O'Connell, a rookie quarterback, under center. I'm willing to roll the dice on the Indianapolis Colts and kind of go with their lengthy track record this season against a rookie quarterback that has shown some, you know, volatility when it comes to his consistency uh, heading into Week 17.
1: I'm 100% on board with you, and we recommended them last week, and then they stunk. They had negative points against oh, I the Falcons because they gave up 29 points, but that might work into your favor here as long as you're not the idiot that followed our instructions and added them <laughs> last week. There's a good chance that whoever added them last week after listening to our podcast cuts them this week. We're doubling down. I'm with you here. This is a defense that can succeed at a high level. And the Raiders, this is where we're at. We're recommending a defense facing a team that scored 63, and we're – of. We're also recommending a defense that gave up 70. So, I mean, that's the volatility of fantasy football. You have to be willing to take some of these performances with a grain of salt here and look at the bigger picture. And if you're doing that, the Colts very much worth holding on to and playing this week.
0: Speaking of the bigger picture, we got to go ahead and rank all of these players or options heading into week 17. Soppy run it down from 10 to 1.
1: We'll get through it real quick here. Tucker Craft 10, Gerald Everett 9 mentioned they were both top 12 options at the tight end position for me this week. And that's where I have them. Tyler Boyd, Tajay Spears, KJ Osborne, Josh Palmer round out. Eight, seven, six, five, the top inside the top five. Jameson Williams, number four, is a yellow option. Then we got running backs galore. CH, number three, Zami, uh, Khalil Herbert, number two, Zamir White, number one ad for week 17, heading into the final week of your fantasy season. I like it. I like mine a little bit more, but not by much. It's got Gerald Everett at 10. I've got Derek
0: Carr at nine. Uh, Joshua Palmer at eight. Tajay Spears at seven. Rashid Shaheed at six. Khalil Herbert at five. DeMario Douglas at four, CEH at three, Noah Brown at two, and at numero uno, I've also got Samir White. So that'll do it for this week 17 episode of the waiver wire podcast here on the pfn fantasy podcast if this is your first time coming across the youtube channel go ahead subscribe hit the like button click the bell so you get the ding 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 every single time we drop a new bit of video content here on the pfn fantasy youtube channel also if you're tuning in via podcast go ahead subscribe rate review five star review is what we ask for as we finish up the 2023 calendar year and ring in the new year heading into 2024. For Kyle Sapi. I'm Derek Tate. And until next time, everybody, good luck. Later, says the tape.